So today, we're going to have uh, a double dish, a double dish of fat. So fat, you might think, uh, some of you may not find that terribly appetizing, uh, you know, but, but, <clears throat> after all, it is my initials. But, you know, if, if I was, you know, if it was just because of that, you know, you might find that slightly narcissistic or egotistical. Uh, you know, it's hard to be humble. Uh, but it is the new year, and some of us have resolutions. But believe me, I'm not the right one. I'm not the right one to be teaching you about that, as you can tell from my behavior. Uh, actually, believe it or not, there is a spiritual meaning to this thing. You know, it's a righteous offering to God. The very first offering that's talked about in the Bible, it talked about Abel coming and bringing the fattest parts of some of the lambs to God. And that was... A good offering. God wants those things. The fat's the Lord's. Uh, so today I'm going to share with you a couple plates, a few tidbits, you know, that have been on my heart for a long time. I'm going to share with you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really not helping the fasting thing, am I? Not really. <laughs> no. You know, so... If you're not really fond of fat, just think of bacon, right? It's, uh, I mean, you can take anything and cover it with bacon, and it takes a great thing and makes it even better, you know? Bacon's awesome, right? And, uh, you know, so, so today, it's not a big steak meal I want to bring before you. Believe me, there's nothing wrong with that. Nor is this a chance just to catch up on your little bottle and if you still need some milk. Now, I want to bring you some nice, juicy tidbits, right? Some nice, juicy things. And a lot of this stuff is stuff that I like to share with the kids upstairs. And uh, I find that extremely challenging because we got, you know, pre-Ks and we got sixth graders, you know, and there's a tad of difference there. And I like to share things that sometimes I'm not sure I really understand. So sometimes uh, getting it in there right... Uh, can be difficult. So I want to share some of that stuff with you. Uh, these are things that are near and dear to my heart. And uh, the first one is things that have really been there for a long time. And the second is more some of those morsels. So first of all, let's talk about family, right? And as you can tell, I come from a family of superheroes. And, uh, you know, family, family is the first group that God made. He made a family. In fact, really, family and the church are the two ordained groups that God really made. <laughs> family is, uh, hey, we're all family. You know, in fact, we're all related. Every one of us. Did you know that? Um, we are cousins. <laughs> and In fact, if you're married, 
even if you're not from Kentucky. I hate to tell you this, but you married your cousin. That's right. Because, you know, a cousin, a cousin is someone who has a common grandparent. <laughs> and the screen's taking its time changing here. Um, pardon? There we go. <laughs> so, so as we can go through there, you know, it says Adam named his wife Eve. And why Eve? Because she was the mother of all mankind. So Eve is everybody's grandmama. You know? In fact, we can go to Noah because Noah was the only, you know, it was his children on the ark. So everyone comes through Noah. So we all have a common relative. So if we have a common relative, then we're cousins. Now, as you can tell, we could be a tenth cousin ten times removed. But a cousin nevertheless. And what's important about this is we're one blood. And, you know, this helps me sometimes as I'm driving down the expressway and I want to raise and wave or... Because uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, there, shoot, that must be my cousins. You know, it, it helps when you're, you know, you know, turn on the news and somebody's saying something you find slightly irritating. You go, that dadgum cousin of mine... You know, we are all of the same blood. We're all of the same blood. We're all of the same family. You know, there's no race except the human race. You know, we may have different languages. We may have different experiences and stuff. But we're all from one people. <laughs> but we're not necessarily brothers and sisters. That takes something extra special. You know, <clears throat> I got three kids. Um, two of them kind of came in the normal way you end up with having kids. And one of them kind of came in an extra special way. Um, <clears throat> that one, Jennifer, the baby, the little princess, or as my wife says, precious. Oh, uh, <laughs> speaking of my wife, please keep her in prayer. She's at home with Walker. The Texas Ranger. Uh, her back is out, so she has to use that to get to the bathroom right now. So she's really uh, in pain today, and which is probably not terribly good for you guys either, because she can control me with her eyes. So if I if I get out of uh, out of line, there's nobody to really bring me back in. So you guys could be. <laughs> well, she's been trying, the daughter, but, uh, <clears throat> so, anyway, we are adopted into the family, because it says in Romans eight fifteen, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have rece received the spirit of adoption, by, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, <laughs> so, how we ended up with Jennifer. So we were watching the news one day. Very bad idea. So we were watching the news. And along comes this little thing, Home for Keeps. And I thought it was about animals, but no. <laughs> no, there was this kid on there 
that needed a forever home. I remember it. And God grabbed my heart and broke it. It was crazy. And my wife looks at me, and I look at her. And we go, and what's going on? Because it, it crushed her too. And a week or two later, we're walking, and we look at each other. Are we going to do something about that? And I, she goes, I guess so. So she called downtown, and make a long story short, about nine months later, we're sitting in front of a judge, and he goes, bam, she's yours. And I go, well, that's kind of weird, you know. So what was really weird, though, was um, three months later in the mail, we get a birth certificate. And it says on June 7th of 1987, someplace that I don't recall being, we had us a baby. And I was, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, that's what happens with God. You know, we are born cousins out there in the world, but all of a sudden, one day on our knees in front of him, boom, I got a new daddy. I got a new place. I have a new family. And let me tell you, you know, Jen has been a blessing to us and she's given me three fantastic grandchildren and stuff. And she's just absolutely as ornery as her sister and her brother. <laughs> in fact, her sister's not near as ornery, actually. I thought I'd better throw that in there to be on the safe side. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, this isn't just any family we get into either. This family is a special family. Nowhere in the Old Testament was anyone ever both royal and priestly. David was, a ro was royal, right? But he wasn't a priest. Samuel was a prophet and a priest, but he wasn't a king. <clears throat> but he brings us into this family. He brings us into this order of Melchizedek, right? He brings us into this thing where we are his children and we are heirs. In fact, <laughs> we are heirs together with him, but not just anything, that we are kings and priests. We are part of his family. You know, um, my son, when uh, he was in uh, eighth grade, was, you know, like this. And then the summer, somewhere around in the ninth grade, it's like, like this. Used to play mercy with them, you know. You try to get this. <laughs> yeah, for your, your adults, this is what you do. So, the first time you start to lose, you could do what I did. So he had, you know, he had me, and I go, "Oh, what's that word?" He goes, "Mercy." I go, "Yes." <laughs> the last time I ever played, but, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> so you know, he, he he shut up. He's got big, and he was uh, on the offensive line of the football team. And I would come home after work, and I would see some large boy in my refrigerator. And I'm going, who are you? And he goes, I'm with Jesse. Okay. But don't eat all of my hot pickles. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's how we get in there, right? Hey, I'm with Jesus. And all of a sudden, 
He brings us into the family, and we're part of that family. And we have the rights of the family. So family is a very special thing to me. The next tidbit I want to get into is apologetics. Okay. This happens to be, if you know me at all, my passion. I am I love this stuff. Um, I don't believe that Christianity is a thing of the uninformed. I don't think it is something where you have to check your brain at the door, right? I don't think it's something where you can't think anymore, that you have to choose science or religion. First of all, I don't really think Christianity is a religion at all. That's another topic, and I didn't put it in here. So, um, but you get, a, you get a chance to choose. You can use your brain. And I, I, I got a football player up there. It's a cowboy, by the way, for you Steeler fans. <laughs> a champion cowboy. We have to go way back to 94. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, a big offensive tackle, Okay. And I'll show you in a minute why that's important to apologetics. So, what is apologetics? It's a fancy word, apologia in the Greek, and it just simply means a defense. It's a defense of the faith. It's It's defending what you believe. I mean, if you believe something... But as soon as somebody challenges that belief, you run away and hide, you probably don't believe it that much. A lot of times, though, we just don't have the training or the understanding and ability to do it. So, uh, apologia, I, you know, I, I, with the kids, I go, all right, we're going to make you apologist, you know. We're going to pump you up, you know. But we always start with that. We start with the Bible, because that's where it comes from. That's where our information comes from. All right, let's get busy. Can we answer all these questions? Um, I I can probably, um, so why am I here? Because Joy asked me to be. Who is God? (laughs) Big guy upstairs. Uh, You know, um, these are real questions real people have. And You know, the thing about these questions, these questions are things that people use as an excuse not to hear what you have to say, an excuse to hold God at arm's length, an excuse to live the way they live, even though they don't necessarily really want to live that way anymore. So, you know what? You're not going to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. But you need to study and have some answers, and you need to be able to come through and work through on those types of things. Um, You know, there are so many things that are coming up new in our society today. Um, Why is homosexual marriage wrong? Mr. Christian, Mr. Bigot, Mr. Homophobe. You know? How can you answer that question? without appearing to be an angry, bigoted homophobe. 
Well, we need to apply logic is one thing. I believe your logic is seriously flawed, <coughs> Mr. Spock would say. So there's a couple things I, you know, first of all, I'm a presuppositionalist. A presuppositionalist means it's somebody who starts at a particular point. I start with the word of God is true. Got to have a point. Guess what? Everybody's a presuppositionalist. Now, a lot of non-people think they're non-presuppositions. They think they're totally open, but they can't be totally open. They have to start with something. They either believe that what man says is correct or what God says is correct. So, as a presuppositionalist, I know where I start. Very important thing. Uh, one of the things I love to teach the kids is the law of non-contradiction. And they can actually get this. You know, you can't have two opposite things be true at the same time. You know, it just doesn't work. My favorite defense of uh, uh, the law of non-contradiction actually comes from a Muslim cleric, and he once said, well, if you do not believe in the law of non-contradiction, you shall be beaten and burned until you believe to not be beaten and burned is different than being beaten and burned. You know, the opposites can't be true. And we find that all the time. People want to have two things that are not, they want to have two things, that, you know, they want to have truth and non-truth be the same thing. We also get attacked in our arguments all the time by uh, things called logical fallacies. And some of the ones that I've tried to share with the kids, some of my favorite ad, ad hominem, ad hominem, for one thing it sounds funny, ad hominem. And that's the most common one you see all the time. And it's like, well, you know, let's take my last example there. Uh, so you don't believe gay marriage is right, you homophobe. Uh, you know, so basically it's name calling. You know, so how do you win your argument? Well, you know, you're just a bigot. Uh, you, you know, you just are, you just are ignorant, you know. Um, so name calling becomes a logical attack. Uh, a straw man, you set up, you go, well, you must believe, being, oh, you don't believe in evolution, so you believe that, um, you know, you can't get two different colored squirrels? No. Uh, so th they, they create a straw man, a fake thing, and attack that instead of really what you stand on. So that's something that's really common. False dilemmas is another one. And that is where they create two things that are opposite of one another, uh, but neither one of them are your position. So my favorite is, you know, you must either believe the Bible or believe in science. So I have to believe the Bible or science? Well, I guess I'll believe the Bible. Wait a minute. That's not my two choices. I believe that the Bible is a reference that we can understand science from. I don't have to choose between those two options because those aren't the true options, right? There's another one. And finally, one of my favorites of all time is no true Scotsman. I like to call it no true Texan. <laughs> no true te no Texan would ever put kidney beans in chili. No. 
And most of you realize that that is true. But I have seen Texans put kidney beans in chili. Well, they're not a true Texan. No, no. All right. So, you know, the thing is, when we start dealing with people and arguments, we need to listen to what they say because most of the time, they defeat their own arguments. You know, we need to listen to what they say and help them understand that they're not making sense in what they say. Now, back to my football player up front. One of the problems we have in apologetics is that we're waiting for somebody to attack. Go ahead. Ask me that question. I'm ready for it. And they go, hi, how's the weather? Wait, no, no, that's not the one I'm waiting for. You know? Uh, we need to go on offense. We need to be on offense. And how do you go on offense in apologetics? You ask questions. <laughs> I happen to love the uh, answers in Genesis uh, uh, website, some fantastic material. There's some fantastic videos that you can get and watch on that type of thing. Uh, so if you want to, you know, you're talking to one of your uh, uh, buddies that happens to say, um, I had a friend of mine, and he actually said, uh, well, I don't believe in God because I believe in science. Well, I really wasn't quite prepared at that moment. I wish he'd say that again. Uh, but I could say to him, say, hey, you know, Terry, I understand, you know, you really don't uh, believe in God because you believe in science. You know, I got a question for her. Where did all the stuff come from that made the universe? You know, you got this big bang. Where was the pre-bang, you know? Where did it come from? <laughs> and by the way, how, all right, so... Let's just assume you're right, and, and we all evolved from a single-cell creature up and up and up and up and up. Where did that original life come from? How did that get started? You know, what about transitional fossils? How about where did the, the dinosaurs come from? These are powerful questions you can sit there and you can make a conversation with them. Uh, I encourage you to go out and look at this video and help come up with the answers to those for yourselves as well. Then there's a whole other way to do this as well. And again, another video out on the, the Answers in Genesis website, Simple Tools for Brain Surgery. Again, asking questions is one of the best ways to, to uh, move forward in some of this stuff. Um, so a question simply would be, what do you mean by that? Uh, how do you know that that's true? What difference does that make anyway? <clears throat> but what if you were wrong about that? And a great starter question is, you know, what happens when you die? And then they say, well, you just rot. Well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, nothing. Well, how do you know that that's what happens? Well, I just do. Hmm. Well, what difference would it make then? And then finally, you know, 
what if you're wrong and something else happens when you die? All of a sudden, I mean, you know, again, this is apologetics. This is an opportunity to defend what you believe and an opportunity to do it by going on the offense. So these are some things I love to share with the kids. And sometimes it actually works. Other times I walk out going, I really don't know if I understand what I just said. <laughs> Uh-oh, the next one here. The end of the first dish. Tithing. <laughs> now he's going to do it. He's going to go talk about money, isn't he? You know? You church people, you just always got to be talking about money, don't you? All right. I want to cut through the churchisms. I got some problem with the language we use in church. It's nasty language, let me tell you. Like tithing. Tithing means tenth. Why don't we just say tenthin? You know? Another word that gets me? Baptism. What's a baptism? You know what baptism is? Baptism is Greek. How many of you in here speak Greek? Only at Coney Island, right? <laughs> Greek, it's not English. You know what English word for baptism is? Immerse. Dunk. We should say we're having 50 Dunkins this year. <laughs> All right? And we make these words because we're afraid that people will understand what we're saying and be offended. Now let's just be plain, all right? So tithing is tenthing. <laughs> and guess what? That's the first division we learn, right, in mathematics. Anybody can divide by ten. I got three numbers. I cut the last one off. I got five numbers, I cut the last one off. I got a thousand numbers, I cut the last one off. Okay, it's really easy. All right, if you make $1,111, what is the tithe of that? 111. Unless you're my wife, then it's 112 because you're not going to cheat God out of the rounding error. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and I, I, love, I love this version of the Bible called the NIRV because it's written at my grade level, third grade, grade level. And I can understand it. And listen what it says. It says, bring the entire tent to the storeroom in my temple. Then there will be plenty of food. <coughs> Put me to the test, says the Lord. That, that amazes me. I thought we weren't supposed to test or tempt the Lord. Yet he's telling us, put me to the test. Then you will see that I throw open the windows of heaven and I will pour out so many blessings that you will have enough room for them. He says, test me. I'm not saying it. I'm, I'm, I'm quoting it. It's right there. Okay. <clears throat> There's three things I want you to think about when we talk about giving, tithing. First of all, where is your heart? Where's your heart? Right here? Right here, left side? Okay, when we, you know, so 
Where is your heart? So <clears throat> I'm communicating with my brother. We, we, we got this, right? <clears throat> so uh, the, um, <clears throat> I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> uh, your heart is where your treasures are, right? That's what the Bible says. Where your treasures are, your heart is. So conversely, where your heart is, is where your treasures are. Are your treasures in stuff, in money? Well, a good way to make treasures not be in your money is give it away, you know? And God, God asks you to give him that first tenth. That first tenth that, you know, hey. And that's a way to put your treasures in God's hands instead of yours. Another thing is sowing and ripping. I call this a law, just like the law of gravity. The law of gravity says that if I jump, which is not going to be very high, <laughs> nevertheless, gravity is going to pull me back down. I do not need to believe in the law of gravity. I can completely disagree with the law of gravity. I can find it offensive, but it's still going to hold me down. All right. The law of reaping and sowing. The law of sowing and reaping. If I plant something, something's going to come back. If I plant nothing, nothing's going to come back. All right? So if we can't sow, if we cannot give, don't expect anything back. <laughs> Finally, the verse that, most pe uh, that people often use as a reason not to tithe Jesus goes, you Pharisees. I can picture it too. He used that word with some venom, some vigor, you Pharisees. You know. And he said, you Pharisees, you tithe, you're minting your deal. Deal, that's Texan for that weed that you put in pickles. You know, you tithe those things, yet you don't do you don't do the better things. And so we go, I got that covered. I ain't going to tithe. <clears throat> but that's not what he says. He says, stop, don't stop doing that thing that you do, but do this as well. So tithing isn't the thing that gets you into heaven. Tithing doesn't save you. Tithing doesn't make you Superman. Tithing doesn't get you first place in line. Tithing is something that even non-righteous men do. So if we're going to be righteous in the sight of the Lord, it's something we should do. All right. There's some money talk. Tithing. Into the first plate. On to the second plate. Faith. <laughs> two, two, two plates. I only brought two plates today. Just two plates. And you're lucky, because I had like 12 of them. <laughs> I did not realize how many things in the Bible started with F-A-N-T. <laughs> so, faith. So, faith. <clears throat> you know, I, do, do any of you realize I have grandchildren? No. Nine. I got nine official ones and about 75 unofficial ones. In fact, your children know my name. 
Papa. Papa for, in fact, occasionally some of them make the mistake of saying just Papa in front of the other nine, and they're quickly corrected. You may call him Papa Frank. <laughs> but he is my Papa. You know, that's what faith is like that love, that bond that we share. I see those guys, and I get running hugs. You ever had a running hug? I mean, a running hug. You know, they see you, bam, they're up there, jump in your arms, just like this. It's because there's this, you know that there's something there. You, have, you don't have to be told. You know, it's there. You know it's there. That's what faith is. It's that substance. It's that thing behind what you believe. <clears throat> now, I was going to do a whole sermon on just this right here. Uh, numbers 11 and Numbers 13. The, uh, I had a dream. I had a dream. Which basically proves I'm getting old because old men will have dreams and young men will have visions. And I, it was a dream, therefore I must be old. <laughs> but anyway, there, you know, and in his dream, all I could see, I was preaching. And there was great preachers in front of me. And they were all preaching on numbers. And the first guy got up and preached on the number seven. You know, seven, completeness and all that type of stuff. Another one preached on three and twelve and stuff. And then I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach on 11 and 13. <laughs> um, my wife, she goes, well, did you look at Numbers 11 and Numbers 13? <gasps> Number 11, Numbers. <gasps> so I looked at Numbers 11 and Numbers 13. Numbers 11. Let me summarize the whole chapter for you. Complain, complain, give me meat, complain. Complain some more. <laughs> Numbers 13. Yay, milk and honey. Oh my gosh, they're really big. <laughs> you know, 40 years to make a 10-day journey. 40 years to make a 10-day journey. You know, Oh my gosh. Sometimes I'm thinking, is that my life in the church? 40 years wow. to make a 10-day wow. journey? Wow. And why? Complain, complain, complain. You know, I think those speakers are just a tad too loud, by the way. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I mean, come on. Come, you know, why do we have the rows of uneven numbers? I really think if we, you know, we, we have all these things that, that we complain about at church, about our life. If I, if I only had, like, come on, you are getting nutritious food. It tasted like honey. And what did you have to do to get do it? <gasps> and you made some cakes and stuff. I'm so tired of that food. Give me some meat. Yeah. Well, you know what's sad is I've made that exact complaint before too. In fact, uh, picking on my son again, I remember one day 
uh, we're driving in the car, heading home, and he goes, what's for dinner tonight, Dad? I go, chicken. He goes, chicken? Chicken? All we ever have is chicken. Chicken? That's not even mammal. <laughs> you know, we, ought, we miss faith because we're too busy complaining. We miss walking out. And then the second thing is, we miss faith because instead of seeing the promise that he has, we see the obstacles. But the thing, I'm, the thing I love about David more than anything, I love that David and Goliath. I love that David and Goliath story. You know why he had five stones, by the way? Because Goliath had four brothers. Right? He, he wasn't afraid of missing. He was just ready to get the next one. You know? <clears throat> because he did not look at the obstacle. He says, you, he didn't say you giant. He said, you puny dude. You're standing behind God. You know, the promise is great. It's not the obstacle, the promise giver is the one. And so instead of looking at the promise and the promise giver, they looked at the obstacles. All right, so how much faith you got? Mustard seed plant. I was fortunate once I was out doing a conference in, the, the San, in San Francisco. And we went up to, up to the place where they make all the wine and stuff, you know. And um, so I'm up there, and I'm with a deacon from a Catholic church who happens to be a, like wine. The deacon of this Catholic church, the priest at his church, happens to be the wine editor for The Blade. So he hooked us up with a behind-the-scenes tour of his favorite vineyard. So instead of walk through, here's three samples and leave, we got to see everything. And I'm walking out, and I see these bushes everywhere. And I said, what are those bushes? They go, mustard. And I, I'm looking. You know, so it's just mustard seed. All of a sudden, there's this giant bush. You know? So, I mean, that's all it takes. So, in, in one chapter, Jesus says to two people, one, you have great faith. One, you have little faith. What's the difference? The first one, the Roman centurion. You guys know what he said? You know what happened? Remember what happened to that? Guy walks up, says, I got a sick kid. And Jesus says, okay, let's go. He goes, nah, don't even bother. Just say it. Just say it. He goes, because I'm under authority. My soldiers are under authority. I say go, they go. My boss says go, I go. You know? I'm under authority. I understand your authority and your word. You say it, it will be done. And Jesus says, she's healed. Guess what? She was healed. He didn't need to go there. He understood authority and the Word. Okay? Now, here's his disciples. The first little churchlet here, huh? Here's his disciples, and he says, get in the boat and go to the other side. They get in the boat, and now, these weren't luxury liners. They didn't have 120 horsepower Evinrudes in the back either. 
They were just little boats. They were little boats. They may have had a sail, they may not, may have had just oars, but they were boats. I remember being in a 14-foot bass boat in the middle of Galveston Bay, and we didn't understand what those flags meant when we went out there. Those flags meant you should not go out there. But we went out there, and it was rocky, and it was scary. <clears throat> but there was nothing. I mean, I, mean the, the, you know, I would have been scared. These guys were scared. <clears throat> and here's Jesus. And, they, and they're, they're, ah, we're going to die. And they wake up Jesus, and they go, he goes, what's the matter? We're going to die. Look at the storms. And he goes, what storms? And calms the sea, right? And then he looks, you of little faith. Why do they have little faith? Because didn't they hear him say, get in the boat and go to the other side? Right? He said, get in the boat and go to the other side, and they're afraid because we're not listening to what he says. Faith is understanding what he says and believing what he says. Not what we feel, not what we see, not what we experience, but what he said. What he says is reality. What he says will happen. The entire world was created by his word. All right. Coming down the home stretch. Anticipation. Love that old commercial. All right. With the ketchup bottle. Alright? Oh yeah. Come on. Come on. You know, <laughs> I, I have to get a little joyism in here. We bring French fries home <laughs> from Wendy's because the boys liked Wendy's, the girls liked McDonald's. So I'd bring him home. She goes, Where's the ketchup? And I'd hand her a bottle. No, I want the hot ketchup. Has to be in the packet because she doesn't want the temperature of the ketchup from the refrigerator to mess with the French fries temperature. Okay. All right. So, what are we supposed to anticipate? We're supposed to anticipate the coming of God. You know, anticipate that return. Now, I like this particular picture because I am very sure that Jesus speaks King James. <laughs> Ye cometh up hithereth, noweth. <laughs> it's called the blessed hope. The blessed hope, the appearing appearing. Are you rapture ready? Are you ready? Yeah. It's going to happen. I tell you, I look at the news and my heart's broken. It's broken at where we are. I mean, the things that we used to call sacred are scorned. Are scorned. You know, abstinence. Oh, you backward people. How could you possibly teach something so backwards? You know, marriage between a man and a woman? <laughs> Homophobe. 
Yet, if we look, what are we going to do? The fields right now. He says the fields are white for harvest. They're ripe. They're ready. What are we going to do? Why hasn't he come? Why hasn't he come? Because he said, and the gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. You know, are we doing our part? Are we doing our part? But I'm telling you, his coming is sure. His coming is sure. What we think is delay is for our benefit, for our grace. Some say, don't worry about the things going on today in society. I say, let's do what we can. You know, back to apologetics. Let's have an answer for people. Let's share the word. You know, i I, I, I got to get off track just for a second here. One reason that I am so passionate about apologetics, especially with the children, is that so many today, I got a freaking 12-year-old grandson, <laughs> so many today raised in the church or not in the church as adults. Why? Because society is bombarding them and we in the church are busy saying, and the story of Jonah is. You know, you know, we're not even presenting the gospel as authoritative, as history. You know, so I get passionate, I'm absolutely passionate about that we have to teach our children that God is real. God, that these attacks are not logical and they're not founded in truth, but they're founded in man's opinion. All right, so we're having trouble getting that slide to move there. Boom, boom, boom. Ah, there we go. So anyway, back on, on track. Um, God, Jesus tells us, open your eyes. Open your eyes and look. Look. Look what's out there. Look at the people that are out there. Look at, does anybody have to walk very far from this front door to see somebody that needs Jesus? Does people have to walk very far to see somebody in need? Now, I live out in the suburbs. You know, two things about the suburbs. It takes a little bit longer to walk from house to house. And two is people are better at hiding the fact that they need something. But they need something. All right? Over here, it's pretty obvious. In fact, oftentimes they walk up to you and say, can you give me? All right? So, uh, you know, we can see their need. But do we do anything about it? Yeah. I, got, I love, um, you know, that story. There I did it, didn't I? I'll just say that history of Acts, right? That history where, where Peter and John are walking into the temple and the man, the blagger, goes, you know, alms for the poor. He's got, a, he's got a cardboard side. Would work for food if I could stand. You know, he says, feed me. My family, my family is starving. I got 12 children and I can't get to Akron because my car is out of gas. 
uh, he's standing there with the sigh. And, uh, and, 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 and Peter looks down. And he looks down and he goes, You know? I ain't got no money. <laughs> but I got something even better. And he reaches down and he says, <clears throat> Stand up and walk. He reaches down and lifts him up. And this guy goes, And he starts jumping and dancing. He looks like he looks like Brother Earl. He's just excited and dancing and stuff. Because now he was lame, but now he can walk. You know, we have gifts. Sometimes our faith isn't strong enough to reach down to the cripple and pull him up. But we have something we can give them. We can give them the love of God. We can help them because the end is near. Last one. I got a minute and a half, so I'll go quick. <clears throat> truth. Truth. Absolute truth. Go ahead. Let's get the next slide. Let's get through this. All right. <clears throat> fidelity to the original. Anybody remember high fidelity? Yeah. High fidelity. Yeah. Add some good music, right? It's, is it live or is it Memorex? It don't matter. It'll still shatter the glass. You've got to be old to know that one. So, how long is a meter? For you, for you Americans, a meter is a European yardstick, okay? A meter. A meter is actually the length of the path traveled by light in a vacuum during a time interval of 1, 299,792, of a second. That's a meter. I mean, it's a very precise scientific definition. So if we get a meter stick and we go up and we get a vacuum tube and we see how far that light goes in that particular time, then we know if that's accurate. Truth is something that measures up to the original. God is truth. And we know if what we say is true if it measures up to the original. Finally, truth. Jesus is truth. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. That's what we have to give to people is freedom. Freedom from the things in this life that enslave them because we have the truth. So I'll leave it again with a couple of things. <laughs> You know, anytime a preacher says finally, that means he's getting down close. He's beginning to start the end. So, I'm beginning to start the end. Okay. Do you know him? Do you know him? Man, there's a, I have this recording of, do you know him? You know, do you know him? And I'm not going to try it, so don't worry. Uh, but anyway, John 14, 9 says, if you know me, you know the Father. Do you know him? That's my question for you. Do you know him? There is not a more important question than that today. Do you know him? Do you love him? First John says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Do we love him? The people will know that you love me because you love your brothers. 
finally, follow them. If you know them and you love them, then why aren't you following them? Pick up your cross, do some work, and for me, that's fasting. That's work. Got to pick up my cross. I got to follow him, you know? So, I am two minutes over my quitting time, but I hope you enjoyed the plate of appetizers. <laughs> I want you to understand something, that God loves you, right? And we love you. We love all of you. And this is a family. And together, we're going to do our part to change this world. So thank you for letting me share with you, and Happy New Year, and Josh Joy. <clears throat>well now you see where I get my love for acronyms he didn't tell you this but he's really fat the third because it, but, it, but you it, only got two right it, <laughs> good thing he only gave two plates but yes my my great-grandpa my grandpa and they stopped it my mom said we're not doing a fat the fourth so my brother was named Jesse but that I my act my name was an acronym before I got married it was jet now it's just ja, but you know it's all good why don't you guys stand up to your feet we're gonna pray a blessing over you God is good he's worthy he loves you. He wants to use you. Let's just raise our hands before the Lord. Just as a sign to receive from the Lord. Man, God is good. <laughs> just want to receive from you, Lord. As we raise our hands before you, God, just as a sign of, God, we want to receive everything you have for us. God, I thank you for these spiritual truths that we heard today, Lord God. So many spiritual truths, Lord God. It, it was a double portion, and we thank you for that, Lord. God, I pray for those of us who maybe are struggling in one of those plates. Maybe it's, we, we just haven't had uh, the faith that we need to do what you've called us to do. God, increase our faith. God, maybe we haven't had the obedience to tithe like you've asked us to do. And you, we've heard that. We felt it on our heart to step out and give that tent. But God, we've, we've justified our, our reasoning. We've made excuses. We've complained. God, forgive us and help us be obedient in these things. God, maybe it's family. Maybe we haven't really reached out in, in opening our homes and hospitality and loving one another and, and getting to know one another more than just sitting next to each other in church. God, forgive us. Help us, Lord God. Truly be a family because the world is looking for truth. And we have the truth. God, I pray that you would help us be ones to walk in these truths that we heard today. God, that we wouldn't just hear a message and get fat, Lord God, but that we would exercise our faith, Lord God. That we would uh, digest these, these truths that you've given us today. But God, that we would walk it out by faith. God, I pray your blessing on your sons and daughters in this house today. May they go in your grace and in your peace, and may they walk in faith today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. If you need prayer for anything at all, you can come on and make your way up to the